on this special Sunday as we close out the year. I invite you to turn to the book of Revelation, the fourth chapter. The fourth chapter of the book of Revelation. The last book in the Bible and one which I always find intriguing because of its blessed contents, of course, but to think that it was written by the Apostle John, a person who wrote many books in the Bible and whose, whose understanding of how people lived within the church was without parallel. But when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he provided us with this record of revelation. The fourth chapter. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is, and is to come. I would like to underscore the statement here found in verse 4. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
As I mentioned earlier, it is appropriate that as we complete a year of activities, some of them filled with joy, others bringing consternation into our lives, all sorts of things, that we go to this book with which the Bible concludes, which takes us away from our current surroundings and asks us to look at the future absolute, not just next year or the following year, but to look at what heaven is like, to see there what John, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was commanded to write so that we could read about it this evening. The sheer reality of that world beyond this world is one that we must remind ourselves of frequently. Because the truth is, we can become so engrossed in the present. We are filled with the news every day. We see it on television. Everything that happened, the accidents, the fire, the things happening in the political realm. And sometimes we sit there mesmerized by what's going on in our world. And if I may be personal, sometimes I look at it and say, I don't need any more of this. And so I just try to make a point of not being overwhelmed by all the detail that we can have about the present. But God wants us to understand that there is another report written by the Holy Spirit himself, a report that gives us information about the content of forever. The content of, of the content of forever for believers, for those who know Christ, who are able to say at the various stages of their lives, younger people can sense it, older people can. But you just know that you are what you are because God has touched you. Because the Holy Spirit has come into your life. And you know why you know, of course you know you're a sinner. But the very fact that you do, and the very fact that you can go to God and say, please forgive me for, and then you mention it to him, whereas if you had not been captured by his spirit, you would simply have laughed a bit to yourself that you could do something like that. But we know that we are far from God. And then he comes to us and captures us by the power of his spirit 
And he says, there is another reality that follows this one. And if you think this is reality, that reality is a reality in which every structure has been put in place by Almighty God in the fullness of his wisdom. And it is a reality that will last forever and ever. Oh, I suppose I am betraying my own old age in a sense, but you don't have to be old to feel you want to know about this and you want to be a part of it. There are some of you who have endured very, very serious illnesses, mortal illnesses, and you have lain on the bed and they have come in with yet another test and you have realized that you were not a permanent being as you experience yourself now. There are some who are more aged, I guess they are, who have found out what battle is, what fighting is, who depended on their weapon at their side. They were young people, very much wondering whether they would ever make it through. In other words, the point is this, that what we have here is something that speaks to all of us, not just to those who are approaching this crystal sea. Before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. So much more of this particular passage remains obscure for us. The throne, the flashes of lightning, the seven spirits of God, the four living creatures that were covered with eyes in front and in back, and the lion and all of that, we look at that and we say, what does this all stand for? What is this all about? But then there in the middle of it all, we see God in his throne on the sea of crystal. Now there are some of you, I suppose, who understand why that particular idea, the sea of crystal, is especially important to me because I was involved in broadcasting for many years where that was our theme song. By the sea of crystal, saints in glory stand. And I'm going to make use of the indulgence of having us sing that song at the end of this particular part of our Sunday worship. But as you think about it, with lions and all the other things that are described here, why does a sea of crystal become the center of attention? 
the thing that our eye is focused on. And as I've been thinking about that, it suddenly became clear to me one of the biggest lies in the world is that the sea is wonderful. You see calendars and you see places described that are far from here and they are by the shore of the sea. The wonder of its deep colors, the sky around it, all of that is marvelous. And so, when you're still young, I guess, you think of the sea that way, as something beautiful. And indeed, it can be from time to time, beautiful indeed, in the morning, as the sun comes up, and all of that. But the truth is, within the scripture, it is one of the major realities that God uses in order to destroy things that we hold dear, that are important to us. He realized the power in the sea and what it could do in just a few brief months of a few brief days. And over time, I've made a friend lately who was on television giving the weather. And uh, many of you know him. And I heard him give a speech the other day. And he told how it was possible to know when it when I was a boy, when tornadoes came, they came out of the sheer blue. We had no understanding that they were going to happen. But he was saying that we see them formed already in the depths of the sky. And we know where they're coming, when they're coming, and what they're going to do. This is an age in which we know the inherent destructiveness of the sea. And so the Holy Spirit, in describing the future glory, is telling us that will be the day when the sea will be like crystal. The beauty that we now see inherent in it will be its major and exclusive attribute. It will always be there. In fact, the Bible says here, before the throne, seven lamps were burning and, and it tells us we look like the sea of glass clear as crystal and in the center of it there is the very throne 
of God before the throne. Seven lambs were, bla lamps were blazing. And these were the seven spirits of God. What do we think about when we think about going to glory? When you read the pagan eschatologies of people who don't know the God of that Bible, their expression of what it will be like will be something that, that is oriented to their own personal appetites, the kinds of things that they enjoy, the kinds of things that they love to experience and see. You read them and you discover in yourself a kind of embarrassment that people would think of eternity in such gross figures. But for us, as we think of it, we are summoned to see the crystal sea, the powerful enormously destructive sea that can sweep down upon an unsuspecting nation and community and fill it with a horror that is absolutely ugly. Some of you have experienced that, I know. Tornadoes have come from the sky and with them Everything related to water on the earth became a chaos beyond description. The sea can frighten you out of your wits. Some of you know what it's like to be at sea in a storm, an awful storm. I remember a passing from the Netherlands to America, my wife and I across the Atlantic. It was to take I don't know how many days, eight days, took ten days after the captain finally said to us, we're not going to make it on time. And I remember going on the bridge and seeing that screen, that the actuality of it on the bridge, and, and seeing the power of the ocean. It makes you cringe and stops the progress of the best divine, de divine, designed equipment. But here we see Brothers and sisters, those of us who are older and are going to be there fairly soon, those of you who are younger and it's going to take a few more years, but we will discover a sea that was no longer merciless and terrifying and utterly destructive. The salvation of God is something which takes care of our sins. But ultimately, it will take care of our fears, our deepest fears, and we will find ourselves there. 
where the sea of crystal is found. And it's there. It's there. It says, from the throne, flashes of lightning rumbles before the throne. These are the seven spirits of God. And also before the throne, there is what looked like the sea of glass, as clear as crystal. We mustn't make idols, but we must note when God uses things in nature itself to make clear to us that there is really no comparison between our experiences in this world and what it will be like when we are in glory. And one of the things that will be dominant there will be something that never occurs in nature here. But even the sea will be a platform on which God in his power and God in his seven spirits is pleased to pace himself. I mentioned this tonight. I was drawn to this tonight, drawn to this when I knew that I was going to be preaching here the last Sunday of this year. It just suddenly struck me that one of the main things wrong with people like us is this, that we are not excited enough about the realities spread across the pages of the scripture. We tend to think of our faith as, well, yes, indeed, uh, there's the Bible. Uh, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is, it is without error. It tells us the way of salvation. We, we know quite soon in life the content of the Ten Commandments. We, we know the, the documents that we have put together to say if anyone says, well, what do you people believe? Well, well look, uh, here are some of the, the documents that tell what we believe. We have all that. And there is nothing to be said against it. But sometimes, it seems to me, we deprive ourselves of the deep excitement that comes from being in the scripture. And some might say, why speak about the ocean and the sea when the people of God are gathered? Why did he put it in the Bible? Why did he tell us about this? Why did he want us to know, I want you to be thinking about your future, your long future, your forever. And when you think of it, you must remember that all of those uglinesses in nature will there be purged. They will be changed. But, they will become the foundation blocks of the new heavens and the new earth. And we will marvel 
marvel beyond expression when we see the realities spread across this page and we remember that this could only be true if God would come to this very planet in the person of his only son and he would take all our sins upon himself and they would nail him, the Son of God, to a cross. God comes to us and says, in order that there would be a new heaven and a new earth, I had to make a sacrifice so supreme and so unique, seems impossible to even think of it. But when Jesus died and went to hell so that I wouldn't have to go to hell, and you won't have to go to hell if you believe in this Jesus, when he did that, he did it so that you and I could go to heaven, to glory, and see our Savior who made all this possible because none of it would have happened if Jesus hadn't come and died and paid for our sins. None of it would have happened. But here is the fruit of it. The sea of crystal, something no human being would dare to think about in connection with the oceans of the world, which often rise up as they did just recently in Indonesia. And they hit the shore, and they destroyed and destroyed and destroyed. That's the way the sea is here. It likes to look nice. But it's a danger that is utterly enormous and fills the entire globe with its threat every moment. And God here in the book of Revelation makes clear to us, trusting in Jesus, the day will come before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there is what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal, and in the center, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da along. And we have all heard it before. But it is a marvel of God's salvation. And his salvation is one which provides us with realities we would never dare say ourselves. We would never say that we are capable of describing them. But when we see our God, we will see him with his throne on a sea of crystal 
shining, reminding us that finally the ugly sinfulness and wretchedness of a creation that had been infected with mortal sin had been cured and there would be new heavens and a new earth. I don't know how it is with you, but oftentimes we say our prayers, our daily prayers to our God, and they're usually the same, more or less, unless we happen to be stricken one time or another, or someone dear to us has, and we beseech God for that. But God comes to us tonight and says, when you have your problems, when your life looks like it's going to be breaking up, when it looks like you're not going to make it anymore, or when you're terribly ashamed because of something you know you shouldn't have done, but you did, you turn to Jesus and you claim him as your savior and he gives you his Holy Spirit and enables you to see the new heavens and the new earth and the new sea that is clear as crystal there and God your Savior is right there waiting to give you the fullness of his grace. Amen. Lord our God on this last day of the year thank you for leading us to the edge of eternity. There's so many great things in your Bible. There upon its pages, we can read about a sea that gobbled up Egyptians long ago and saved your children. And we can see floods everywhere that you put in place in order to humble the people on the face of this earth. But for those of us who believe in you, you have sent us your Holy Spirit and captured our hearts and told us that Revelation 4 is the truth and it wants us to know that the day will come when we will see you in all your glory and your righteousness. And we will finally see the new heavens and the new earth and the sea itself like glass. Oh Lord, bring us close to yourself and fill us with joy and help us to tell all those who need to know about this gospel, the wonder of the beauty of the great world that is to come. Hear us in the name of Jesus. Amen.